Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, deep conversations and tarot medicine for your highest evolution. I'm your host, Lindsay Mack. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Uh, we are heading into like, I was just about to say mid-February. I, this month is both flying and also the slowest thing I've ever experienced. Very strange middle time. I'm really feeling the waves of tiredness, of deep winter on this side of the hemisphere. Uh, if you are too, I'm just sending lots of love and solidarity your way because <laughs> I'm right there in it with you. Um, I have such a treat today. This um, I have Courtney Alexander on the podcast today, the creator of Dust Onyx, a melanated tarot. Um, the Dust to Onyx tarot deck is exquisite. It's absolutely beautiful, so powerful, so important. And like Courtney was one of the people I like created this for in the hopes to potentially get to speak with her about her process and not literally, but kind of literally. <laughs> like one of the people just mentally in the back of my mind that I thought, wow, that would be like a life goal and here she is. Um, in case you couldn't tell from the name, Dust Onyx Tarot deck is melanated, which means it's people of color and a black-centered tarot deck. So really um, created for people of color by a person of color. Um, and I'm leaping right into the interview because it's just so good. Her story is, I mean incredible uh, in the creation of this deck how sacred it was how epically aligned and how she got the call to do the deck is pretty unbelievable so a little bit about the dust to onyx tarot deck it is sold out everywhere but fear not there's a second printing coming in march which there's all the links for you to look into it purchase it you can sponsor someone um who can receive a deck. It's a beautiful service that Courtney has on her website. We'll have all the links about that. So I'm going to read a little bit about this deck and a little bit about Courtney. So Dust to Onyx, a melanated tarot, is a deck created by multimedia artist Courtney Alexander. The cards feature 78 mixed media collage paintings accented with metallic and holographic foils featuring cultural myths, symbolism, history, and the icons within the black diaspora. The guidebook features multiple keyword lists, numerological, elemental, and astrological, and full-color images of the artwork with titles and art descriptions. Each card has been carefully researched with nearly 75 resources cited, providing a wealth of educational material. It's gorgeous. It's deep, rich, absolutely magnificent. Courtney is amazing don't need to say that, but, um, <laughs> you know, it speaks for itself, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, one of the most powerful things about Courtney's story is really her search for a deck that represented her, represented, um, her experience and the discoveries that she made along the way with her realizing that she was one of the people to create what she was looking for was a real inspiration to get to listen to just as much as it is share with you. So 
without further ado, I'm just going to go right in because it's a fucking great interview and I'm really excited. Um, please support this deck. It's beautiful. Um, I highly encourage everyone to sponsor a tarot reader. If that feels aligned for you, there'll be information on the liner notes of the podcast. It's just so special and so important that tarot is reflected through this lens um, outside of kind of the white medieval colonial European gaze. It's it's beautiful. Tarot is beautiful in all ways. It's just such a gift to see it reflected through the lens view of people who resonate with it. And that's always something to celebrate, in my opinion. So without further ado, I'd like to present my conversation with Courtney Alexander. I really, really look forward to connecting with everyone next week. I'm bringing uh, a lesson. I'm really pumped to share it with you. But for now, enjoy my talk with Courtney, creator of the Dust to Onyx Tarot Deck. Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, deep conversations and tarot medicine for your highest evolution. I have with me the incredible Courtney Alexander, creator of Dust to Onyx. Welcome, Courtney. Hey, I'm <laughs> so happy to be on your show. So, <laughs> I, oh my God, as I mentioned to you, the, the honor is all mine and I could not be more excited. I'm like, kind of giddy um really excited to like be hearing your voice and to get to talk to you where are you I actually didn't even ask you where are you from where do you live well I um I grew up in West Palm Beach Florida but I currently reside in Tampa Florida I'm here for it that's great that's cool um how are you today doing good yes I am I just want to say, like, I'm so happy the sun is out because it's been so dreary. Uh, <laughs> and so, like, yeah, I'm just, you know, um, excuse me, enjoying my morning and getting some sunshine. Oh, that's so nice. I feel the same way out here. It's just whenever the sun shines in New York in the winter, it feels like a deep gift. Um, but, yeah, oh, my God, I have so many questions. So Dust to Onyx, a melanated tarot is spectacular completely sold out everywhere right other than some stockists or is it completely sold out oh it's completely sold yeah, out queen. Like, right now yeah <laughs> yeah um, <but laughs> like oversold <laughs> literally girl let me yeah. tell you like i cut it close because i thought i had more I wish I had more, but I ran out so quick because people were still putting their order in during shipping. Oh, my so God. So I had to, like, hurry up and close down shipping because <laughs> I was like, oh, crap. Oh. <laughs> like, my but yeah, I'm like, shit, now, now I got to disappoint a lot of people right now if I, have, if I don't shut this down. Whatever. So, it's yeah. sweet disappointment. My heart is, like, exploding to hear that because you deserve it. It's the most exquisite deck. Um so yeah, this shit is oversold, but to everyone listening, um, there's a new batch coming out. The second edition pre-orders are, are kind of, we're, we're going to, Courtney's going to take everyone through, um, sort of how to be all up on that. Um, so it goes without saying, I feel, but I'm going to say it anyway, that this, uh, deck is extraordinary for many reasons. One 
as you say, it is melanated, like it is centered in deeply beautiful black faces, black figures, black archetypes, which is part of the medicine of it and part of the magic of it. Um, and of course, I, I'd love to hear about that, your journey. I mean, the tarot is very white. So <clears throat> just even the creation of that is a healing and so beautiful. Um, but I'm curious to start with uh, something that you may have spoken about before. And I, and if you wouldn't mind repeating it, maybe you have. I Have you been a reader for a while or did you just kind of get the understanding or the sense or the call to create a deck like where how, what has your relationship been with the tarot in your life so I, tarot for me has been an interesting journey because like you know without going into the, like a whole bunch of details i mm -hmm. grew up um christian and i had a particular you know um bias against divination of course but because of that upbringing. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, watching our favorite doom and gloom preacher, John Hagee, tell us about ex doing an exorcism on a tarot reader. I already mm -hmm. had like a lot of <laughs> preconceived <laughs> notions about uh, divin um, divination tools and everything. So mm -hmm. um, through my spiritual journey, I finally got to the point where I was comfortable enough to um, learn about tarot. And I started off with tarot apps. And for at least a year, I just used the apps because oh. like that felt safe for me. Um, and so, and so, you know, I just want to big up the people who have made tarot apps. I know everyone doesn't like to read for them, but for people like me, it can really be a powerful gateway and help demystify tarot mm -hmm. um so that's how i started and um then i decided to buy my own deck and of course that's when the search was on for a deck that i felt represented me mm -hmm. and so i have the aquarium the aquarian tarot is my first deck and i think that i was more so okay with that deck because although it's like white it's like literally white faces like it's not like <laughs> it's not even like, like bodies Yes, the skin, like is the the art style, um, just felt like a like it felt a little safer than getting decks that were like fairy based or like very European in tradition. Mm -hmm. You know, I like the Art Deco style; it's a beautiful deck. So that that at least kind of was the first deck I used to tie me over, and so I continued looking for decks. And so when I did research and find that there were tarot decks that were either multicultural or had um, you know, some type of foundation of um, blackness behind it. Like mm -hmm. there were other issues that I ran into um, where it usually was a deck that may have that like represented a particular tradition. So it was like a, the tarot, the Orisha or um, voodoo tarot and everything. And I'm someone who does practice voodoo. So it's not that I have an aversion to those things, but at that time in my spiritual journey, and especially being an African-American person who has such a complicated history in regards to like genealogy and, mm -hmm. you know, folk magic being passed down and everything, I wasn't completely sure where I fit in as some, as a, you know, a magic woman, as a conjurer, you know? So mm -hmm. I, didn't want to get those decks not really knowing yet where I stood because they felt very particular Egyptian tarot, you know? Um, and even then those decks, there was a lot of colorism with most of the 
um, characters being light skin or, you know, of course, if it's like a darker, you know, character, usually it represented a darker energy. Mm. So mm. those those layers that were within it, like I had the Isis Oracle deck and that one's beautiful, but it's the same issue when there was ever darker skin represented. Like, they didn't even represent dark skin. It, the, the character became a totally different color. Like, the person was green. I was like, wow. You just skipped over that whole shade. Okay, so. Not okay. Going, yeah. <laughs> so I was, like, going, like, noticing all of these little things. And then when I would go to research the creators and everything, I was finding out, I'm like, the few, there's only a few of these decks that exist, but none of these creators that I've seen are black. Mm. Or when you try to research them, you cannot find them. Mm. And I was like, black people like to be seen because we know, like, when it ain't that many of us doing something. So when we're doing something, we want to let our people know, like, hey, we here. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> when, I, when I find a deck that is showing people of color, especially black people, and I cannot find a picture of that person, then for me, that's usually safe. It's usually safe to say that that person is probably not black. Yeah. And so, you know, um, the closest person I found was... Um, the Black Power Tarot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the gentleman is a um, he's darker, um, but I don't I don't want to get his ethnicity wrong. I know he's in Canada. He may be of Middle Eastern descent, mm-hmm. um, but he is darker. And so he did create the Black Power Tarot um, based off the Marseille deck, which is like, I, you know, I have that and it's very beautiful and um, really cool style. And then um, there are some Oracle decks, too. So I'm, I'm just like, just kind of like lost my train of thought. For a oh second. no, you're right on because we, because just in terms of like your journey into tarot, you know, not only did you share, well, you get to tell me if you're right on, but it, I was following you with great rapt attention because your journey of kind of how you developed your connection with the tarot seemed to, from what you were saying, like be blooming into your journey of also being like, where am I in these decks? Like your journey of seeing where you're represented and if you're represented, are the representatives people of color? Are they white folks who are creating them through either a partial lens or a white lens or, you know, so it seems like, I mean, you can tell me certainly, but it seems like your journey in expanding into this whole other side of your spirituality and your magic and relationship to source and spirit really seems to be holding hands with your journey in a very empowering way around trying to seek out, find, expand your understanding of where you were in a tarot deck. Would you say that that resonates Absolutely. Absolutely. Because like what tarot, like when I finally sat down and just, and wanted to, and tried to think about like what tarot kind of tarot deck do I want? I want a tarot deck that reflects me, not just as a black woman, but as a African American person Mm -hmm. who again has that complicated history. Like I can, I don't have the privilege of putting together the pieces of my heritage in a very cohesive way. So how can I show homage to my blackness and be inclusive of all of the layers and the complexities of that? How do I represent blackness, not just as stereotypes 
uh, or fetishes about other cultural traditions, but as like just exactly what it is, you know, like I said, of people rich with complex histories and different types of cultural traditions and different icons and different, Mm -hmm. you know, historical figures. Like, how do I bring all of that into a deck? Because even though on a surface level, I may not have the privilege of like being able to pinpoint, you know, generations of traditions and different things like that, because so much has been, has been lost through our um, erasure through mm-hmm. co- um, colonialism and everything mm-hmm. that all of it still exists within me. So how can I bring that out? You know? And so that, w- that kind of became something that I noticed unfolding through my journey, creating the deck and what was missing for me as someone who was looking for something. And I, and I think that goes back to the point of why it's important not to just have diversity in terms of faces, but diversity in terms of voices and creators, because my experience and my understanding in that spiritual connection is what greatly informed this deck. And that's what, and it becomes a difference between a deck that is simply like researched and understood academically and mentally versus a deck that is informed through experience. Mm. And, and through like spirit and heart connection. And it's not to take anything away from the decks that preceded mine that were trying to fill a gap, even if they were like, you know, non-black creators. But I think that that became something inf- important for me to know that the creator behind my deck was someone who tr- who really, really identified with my experience on a deep level. Oh, it's absolutely so powerful to hear you share that. And the deck itself, it's so clear that there is this marriage of deep, dedicated, committed academia research and also such heart and such passion and such power, you know, just know all of this kind of um, uh, melted together in a way that just creates such a such a beautiful offering and no need for me to say it. It speaks for itself. You literally have a countdown to when (laughs) your second one goes live. Like it's, it's so beautiful. Um, when was there a moment, was there a moment where you were like, I'm a creative tarot deck? Like, was there a moment for you? Yeah. And it was like, not like this, like, you know, profound moment where I'm like on a crusade, you Mm -hmm. know, like I was just at a temp job that didn't give me enough to do. And I, you know, when I was, you know, excuse me, going through my tarot and astrology journey, I was like, just like, okay, you know, I found, I realized there wasn't a deck out there for me. I was like, cool, maybe I'll create my own. It was just literally like Mm. a little simple thought like that. And so I remember starting out with these drawings and they were just like contour drawings they were just intuitive drawings i just simply started out with trying to understand the energy like so i meditate on a card and then you know i would go through and start doing these contour drawings just to see what came forth mm-hmm. and then like i you know started going more into like trying to plan this this deck and mm-hmm. I was drawing little swords I'm like I think I want my little swords to look like this or you know doing <laughs> these little sketches and I, I like I'm gonna like post images of what it looked like in the beginning because I found my notebook 
And it's so funny, like, looking at my earlier sketches when I was just trying to flesh things out and looking at what it is now. It's nothing like it. Like, I remember <laughs> the King of Pentacles was, like, this guy sitting on the floor in a robe, and he had, like, dollar signs around him, and he had a big chain on. And it was just, like, this really elementary <laughs> drawing. It was so bad. And so I was just like, you know, like I said, I was just at work doing what I can to sketch and draw and keep myself busy. And I didn't think about it very heavily at the time. I was just like, let me, you know, just kind of play around a bit. So, um, yeah, like after taking time to really just um, kind of play around a bit, think about, you know, just try and brainstorm different ideas and sketch intuitively, um, like just my world kind of was burst wide open mm. and it started, you know, this one night where, um, I was, you know, dealing with a lot of anxiety and for no particular reason, um, I do deal with depression and anxiety. And so there's some nights where if I can't sleep, um, and I just lay awake too long, it just gets worse and worse. So I remember getting up that night and I had to go on my balcony to catch my breath because, I was just, like, getting into my head too much. And so it really took some time to calm myself down. And, like, and I remember that night because I called the nurse's hotline because every now and then if it gets really bad, I'll call my local nurse hotline mm. and, you know, tell them my symptoms because there's, my mom's a nurse too, so there's something about talking to nurses that make, makes me feel safer. Totally. So, I, you know, I talked to the nurse and she helped calm me down and let me know that like, Hey, you know, you're, you're good. You know, it didn't sound like anything that was going to kill me. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I finally laid down to go to sleep and I don't even remember when I fell asleep because it was like, I was dreaming, but I was still in my bedroom in my bed naked. <laughs> sleeping. So I didn't realize I was in a dream at that point. It was like very lucid. And so I remember seeing a light under my bedroom door and I heard my mom's voice. And then my mom, like, I know my mama is four hours away from me. She is not in my living room. So what is going on? And so I get up in the dream. I'm getting up and I grab the lamp off of the side of my table. I'm still naked. And I go <laughs> and open the door to my bedroom. And there's a little shadow figure in front of me. And that big, like, in the dream, I was reading it as my nephew. Like, I, even though I couldn't see his face, but he was mm -hmm. the same height and everything as my nephew. So I'm like, okay. And so I remember kind of walking around him. And I go to turn that there's a, like, a little light by my front door. I had my back to the front door, and I turned the light on to see him. And I literally just felt this, like, jolt excuse me, this, like, jealous energy run through my stomach, and I woke up screaming, like, and I literally felt it physically in my body the whole mm. day, and I was scared as shit. I remember calling my aunt when I, I got to work. I barely had any sleep, rough, <laughs> obviously a rough night, <laughs> so I'm in the parking lot, and I'm talking to my aunt, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this happened. Did something attack me? You know, a demon came to see me. Oh, my God. Like, I'm, like, freaking the fuck out. And I'm crying, and she had to calm me down. So I finally go into work, and long story short, I get fired. Like, I walk in. Whoa. Yeah, sit down for a little bit, and then they called me in that office, and they had the little talking. 
you know, I don't think this is working out. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, did not see that coming. So, um, you know, I go home and yeah, like I just made the decision after that to just literally go home and visit my family down south in Palm Beach. And so I was just like, okay, I'm going through a lot right now. So I go and spend time with them. And it was a really intense time because, like, I was still in this place of high anxiety and everything mm-hmm. and um, and fear. Like, it, it was just like, like had, it felt like I had a grip on me. And so I had, like, a series of dreams while I was at my mom's house. And so, and I'm sorry, I know this is kind of long just for this it's part. It's not. It so I'm, like, weak. I'm riveted. It's like, it, and all of this is within a week's time. Like, what? It, it, yeah, yeah, all of this, the dream, that initial dream, me getting fired, I go home to see my family, and I was there maybe all of four or five days. And wow. so while I was there, I remember um, my nephew was there because my brother um, had dropped him off for the summer. And so um, he was there, and I remember at one point, us like having this interaction where we were like just dancing and singing in the kitchen mm-hmm. and so um he laid his head on my stomach in that same area that I felt in my dream and when I saw his face he was looking up and his eyes were closed his face was tilted up and his eyes were closed and it was so blissful it wasn't a normal look on his face it was like something had like was cradling him or like he was just in the happiest place and i'm a fat girl so i'm used to people thinking i'm soft and comfortable but that was not the same kind of comfortable that i'm used to people thinking of me as like my mom even noticed because she looked at me and i'm looking at her like okay and she goes to get the um, phone to take a picture but he snapped out of it and she Mm. did get the photo of him but like I immediately, it, it felt like he connected with that part of me, and then I was like, kind of freaked out. I was like, okay, <laughs> the fuck is <laughs> going the on with this? <laughs> Am I pregnant? I'm not ready for a kid. <laughs> at the time, I was like, I'm That's not dating anybody. Where I would go to, I'm just out there having my fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'm not ready for motherhood. So, yeah, I was, I'm, I was like freaking out because of that. And so other things that happened during that time, during this time that I was home was like dreams. I was dreaming a lot. And there were, there was um, two particular dreams I remember having. Uh, one dream, like I don't really remember everything, but I clearly remember seeing these black on black paintings and mm-hmm. they were absolutely gorgeous. And I remember like the paintings were like, like I said, you know, black on black, but then certain parts of it had these beautiful, rich colors. And I was like, damn, like I was trying to like remember how the dream looked so I could actually go. I was like, maybe I should create some paintings that look like that. I didn't connect it to Tarot at the time. I was just like, need to make that. And just kept it as an idea in my mind. And then one of the more intense games that I had was like um, where I saw this um, tractor trailer accident. And I just remember one of the main roads in my hometown, like there was a white, um, the the cab of the truck was on its head. And I remember seeing blood streaks on it, and I'm walking past it, and then I see in the grass mangled bodies, and I remember seeing a foot that almost looked like a kid's shoe. Mm-hmm. 
Like it looked, yeah, it was like a kid's tennis shoe in the grass, and I remember kind of stopped, like I stopped in my tracks because I'm like terrified at this scene, and but I couldn't walk past it. So I'm looking to my left, and there's these mangled bodies, and I'm looking to my right, and there's literally like this pathway, and it led up to the sky, and the clouds were open, and with this bright light. So I'm thinking that this is the after that these souls are going to get up and this is the afterlife and i'm wondering is i'm like is it my time <laughs> like, <am laughs> I going into the light oh, i was already freak i'm freaking out in the dream now mm-hmm. but you know i didn't make decision at that point like i i remember not seeing any souls on it after and i woke up i ended up waking up and i'm thinking hard about this dream and what it did was just continue to fuel my fear because now at this point i'm thinking i'm gonna die yeah and so um i remember like getting up the fall like i think like it took me a day to like process it and everything and and i remember i was so afraid to go home because i took the train i was literally afraid that i was gonna die in a train accident and i ended up staying the extra day because I couldn't get on the train. Yeah. And so, um, like, I, I stayed. And so, like, the following morning, I, yeah, I want to say about the following morning and the morning after, like, I, you know, had thought about some things and what it could mean. And for some reason, I came to the conclusion that I was going to walk, that, that pathway was for me, and I needed to take it. And that, you know, those bodies were not, were were older parts of myself it was my you know younger self with the fears everything that i needed to leave behind so i got up in the morning i went to the backyard my mom has this mango tree and i you know just stood there and i spoke out and i was just like you know i'm like really fucking scared right now but i know that what's on that path for me may be really important and may be really good and the sun was coming up so i remember turning towards the, the rising sun and I was just like okay I'm going to take that step and I'm going to walk that path and step into that light and mm-hmm. I don't know if that means that's the afterlife for me or I don't know what that means but I know that it's something that I have to do because I can't just walk past these bodies I can't. there's only two ways to go at this point you know and mm-hmm. so I remember physically like taking that step as a symbol of me stepping into the, onto that path and visualizing myself walking into that light and you know feeling content in that decision and once i and the fear and anxiety then immediately stopped i still was scared as fuck on the train but i made it home to my apartment and that was when like i started the paintings my friend had like um a show that she invited me to be a part of so i just took it as you know like let me just start the tarot deck Hmm. that's it let me just start the tarot deck that's the most recent project that i said i wanted to do the very first card that i worked on was the the death card wow and that was that was like you know what let me start with the thing that i'm most afraid of right now and so (laughs) i you know you know just found my my reference and everything and you know, worked on it. And you can see that there's a certain simplicity and stillness in a death card compared to the rest. And that's because of, like, that's where I was. Like, there was not, like, the death. It, when I just worked on the card and what came forth was a, a death card that was just based in fear and decay and destruction. 
you see this skull that's literally being lifted and the hands are co- covered with flowers. It, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, it's this combination of life and death, essentially. There's there's a renewal that's happening with this, this you know, floral, flourished hand lifting death up out of this dark place into this light. And it was just, a reference it was a reference very much so to that dream of me being lifted because there was two deaths there was like there was a death that that happened in that accident and the things that I was leaving behind and then there was me you know of course coming into this like new life so life and death happening simultaneously yeah and so um yeah, that was essentially how I started it. Fuck. <laughs> so, like, literally, fuck. Like, that was so not... I mean, it makes complete sense, though, because... Wow. I have I have all the feelings about the story you just shared. I'm emotional. I really am, because the depth and the the beauty of the deck that you created and the healing that I can imagine um, that it has provided to so many, especially people of color who have never seen, maybe have never seen themselves represented. Like from this story, obviously you don't need me to tell you this, but it's just so powerful, like, and so clear that you were invited and chosen and asked and even though you were so afraid you said yes which in a completely different way is something I really resonate with in my own life because in completely different capacities definitely not creating a tarot deck like I just have so much awe for you hearing feeling seeing all of these different things that first brought you to this place of like, oh, am I going to physically die? And then moving you into a space where you understood that there was a death occurring, but that it was in many ways, not the physical death you thought. I'm assuming you have died a physical death because I'm sure that your life is very different from when you started this process. I'm, I'm, I don't know, but I can imagine. Um, I know that, Absolutely that lying. yeah, I was I'm such, sorry, no, I just wanted to say how moved I was and how lucky I feel that I got to hear that story. And I know everybody listening to it is going to feel the same. Please continue. No, thank you so much. Like it, it's always really great to tell that part of the journey because like it, it it's kind of one of the, 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 after every, after that point, everything seemed a little more mundane. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that, I can imagine. That, yeah. I'm like, everything else seems really regular. But the point I always try and drive home too is that that fear didn't end there. Yeah. Like throughout the creation of this process, I continued to fear death. I continued to fear not completing this. I, you know, every milestone that I made came with the weight of more responsibility and will I finish this? Will I have time? Like once I, you know, got, once the deck was funded, I was happy, but then I was scared as shit. Cause I was like, Oh, I actually got to do this. You know? Yeah. And I was like, will I live long enough to finish the artwork? And once I finished the artwork, will I live long enough to finish the book? And once I finished the book, 
same thing with shipping. I remember when I was getting, as I got closer to shipping time, I was like literally afraid of some freaking freak accident occurring that, um, you know, would cause me not to be able to send the decks out and that it would never make it out into the world. And I, with anxiety, I kind of deal with a bit of hypochondria. So like every time I would feel something in my body that felt off, if I was tired, if I was hungry, if I got a rash, anything, I would just like think the worst of it and yeah. start freaking out and think like, this is it. Like I'm going to do all of this. I'm going to make it up until this point, but I won't make it to completion. Wow. And I was so afraid of that. So like getting through, um, shipping was like a big thing personally not just for the completion of that phase but on a personal level as a reminder that like you know my fears not that they're not valid but that they're not reality yeah and those are two different things like my fear and the reasons why i feel these fears is real and it could be like some past life stuff and like i remember you know, I used to prefer, uh, compare myself to Professor Calamitous from Jimmy Neutron, who never finished <laughs> anything. Yes. Yeah, like, I identify with him so much as a character, even as a kid. <laughs> like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm the same way. It just seems like I didn't finish music school. Um, I didn't finish my IB program, and I graduated at a different high school. I didn't finish this idea. I couldn't get my freelance business off the ground the way I wanted to. I had an invention that I couldn't, like get out there and get my every time I started a project and stuff it just seemed like I couldn't get it through to from start to finish yeah you know and it took me a while to finish school I didn't graduate until like December 2015 and I was like 28 or 29 so every time I just had plans for my life nothing went through like nothing I could never bring anything to completion in, in my mind so I was really heavily identifying with that character and looking back now I know that those things failed because they just weren't meant for me. Yeah. Am I capable of doing all of the things I wanted to do? Absolutely. But if I would have had that successful freelance career, if I would have got my hospitality degree, if I would have, you know, got my little, you know, invention off the ground after startup weekend, like if all of those things would have been successful, thus the onyx more than likely would not have happened. And I would be on a totally different path. Mm -hmm. And I would have never made the decision to go into art school, you know, like, so it's given me a different perspective on the failures and the things in my life that I dropped. I didn't drop those things because I was incapable. Those things just, my, my soul on a deeper level, it wasn't for me. Fuck and yeah. my spirit knew it and my guys knew that. So, you know, mm. just wanted to add that as, a, as an encouragement to people who are like me and who often do beat themselves up about what they feel like they should have done and accomplished by now. Yeah. And... You know, one of, I, I know that everyone, again, is nourished by the medicine of what you just shared, but to kind of go back to this, well, not even back, we were just talking about it, but to kind of reflect it one more, once more on this idea of death, like, the, I, I experience that with everything that I do, like, everything that I do, I don't know if I've ever revealed that, and obviously we're, we're, like literally just getting to know each other on this interview, but anything that I've ever done, I always assume I'll die before I can finish it. And I don't know mm -hmm. if you have experienced trauma. I'm sure that it seems to be such, um, a deep part of it, of what you've moved through and survived from the tone of your book. But, um, it feels like, you know, trauma, but, 
that this, I'm also so moved and so struck at how the, how absolutely life-changing and powerful, and it speaks to the power of this deck that you literally kind of changed and loosened the bonds of that hypervigilance in the creation of it and how it's just such an affirmation also to anyone listening that anytime we get to this point in life where we're really bringing something forward that in our own way, in our own journey is like a big deal and is really shifting us, the brain freaks the fuck out and tries to just play on whatever slows us down because we're afraid and hearing your story and how courageous, how you honored your time, how you noticed one thing after another, after another, this experience of death came up and you literally birthed through it is so fucking inspiring. And I know for everyone hearing this, like, I don't know about you, Courtney, but before I started to just like I have never birthed a deck of the magnitude that you have, but in my own Lindsay way, like nobody ever prepared me for that. <laughs> like yeah. no one ever, <laughs> like even my mentor was like, you know, things will feel like death. And I was like, mm-hmm, sure. Like people don't understand. So the fact that you are sharing this, I just, again, really can't thank you enough and can't share with you how inspiring I think because I'm sure you've experienced this personally. People just assume like you get the inspiration and then all of a sudden like it's there and it's like, bitch, I had to like live and die a million times to give birth to this, you know? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a balance because like that was, you know, I always emphasize the spiritual work through this journey because like I literally had to like at some point do, I did rituals to literally like confront that part of me that died and because mm-hmm. there's always a piece that comes with you right like your darker self is not a part of you that you get rid of but it's a part of you that you heal so that that yeah. that part of you can stay with you but not be a detriment to you and so I had to go through that work of healing that part of myself and so I'm going like through all of these things in this process and and then at the same time on the surface people are seeing me now I'm exposed and now I have people's money, so I'm, people are entitled or feel, feel like entitled to me in a certain way that I wasn't used to. Yeah. And, like, balancing that demand for my energy and time and presence and trying to also, like, manage to just, like, I don't want to say fight my way through this deck, but just, like, trying to work through this journey of creating and, you know, the different setbacks that I had you know, and all of this, like it, it it was a lot, honestly, even in the past couple of weeks, like, like, I'm going to just be real. Like I'm completely happy and proud of myself for getting the deck out into the world. And I've had a couple of moments where I'm like, wow, this is amazing. This really happened, but there's a part of it that still feels surreal. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily walk away feeling relieved. I felt Mm -hmm. even more pressure. And it's it's just something that I have to adjust to that with each milestone, like 
it's like once you make it to one part of the mountain, you realize that the climb gets even steeper and steeper, Mm -hmm. that it doesn't get easier as you get closer to the top, that there always seems to be more work and more things to do. And the best thing you can do is just become better at climbing. You just become better. You become more efficient. You learn through those lower ranges that maybe you need to take a little more rest sometimes. You know, it's the, and right now I'm like in the in the middle of another transition in regards to how I work and understand my habits and stuff. You know, because now I have to be more structured and things like that. Yeah. And um, I don't I don't know how often you talk about astrology, but like right now Saturn is moving through my sixth house, so oh it's my like, god, yeah. <sighs> So I was like, okay, Courtney, we're not going to be afraid. I kind of see Saturn as, like, Big Papa Dunn came home, and you got to hurry up and wash the dishes, and you got to make your bed, and you got to, like, straighten up the pillows, and then you got to sit down and have those tough conversations because he's going to, like, call you on your shit. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do the things that he told you you needed to do, it, you, you may have to take your, your um, punishment for it. Do you and, have- But if you do well, he'll also reward you. Yeah, fuck it. Do you have Saturn in Scorpio? No, um, Saturn for me is in Sagittarius. Mm, Powerful. What is Mm -hmm. your sign? Um, I'm a Virgo. I like knew. I knew. I swear on my life, I knew. That's so beautiful. Yeah, it's. I love Virgos so much. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of the, the journey, like I have Jupiter and Pisces in my eighth house. Okay. So, yeah. So so I'm like, (laughs) okay, that's probably where a lot of this is, is kind of coming to fruition. I have like a lot of fifth house activity as well. And my, and so Jupiter makes those connections in my chart to my fifth house. Mm -hmm. And I kind of laugh because. You know, um, I have, like, Jupiter and Uranus square. It's, like, a big, like, um, square in my chart. Mm-hmm. And Uranus is in my fifth house. And I was like, damn, I thought that's why I was a hoe. Because Jupiter and Uranus <laughs> are out there like this. Go get, go, go get you some dick. Like, go, yeah, yeah. you know, go in. beautiful yeah i feel you it, it, it's all connected right like that intensity of i mean sex and death and rebirth it's all there you know all of it mm-hmm. um wow you just shared so much that was like a mountain of gold i want to i would love to talk to you about how kickstarter came in so when did you decide mm-hmm. cuz we haven't even touched on your journey as an artist maybe it's for this interview, maybe not, but I'd love to know, like, when was the moment when you decided, like, I'm going to put this on Kickstarter and what was the experience for you? Um, I, I think I, I want to say I decided after that art show that I told you about, because like, yeah, I remember when, when I came home, I had like a two week window essentially to create artwork. So I did like 18 cars by then. I had worked through the majority of the majors. Wow. And so, that was the like I was just day and night working, and so 
I um, debuted at that um, event, and I had such a um, incredible response that it mean that was when I realized, like, okay, like there's a desire for people to see and experience and own this work in some type of way. So, mm-hmm. you know, once I came home and thought about, you know, how I was going to do things, I realized, like, okay, I need to get funding. And that's when, I, in my research, you know, started to learn more about crowdfunding. And I decided to do a Kickstarter, and I researched some of the tarot projects that had existed on Kickstarter and everything. So, um, you know, one of the biggest things that I dealt with was this fear. Like, I didn't want to let people down because I realized that there were some decks out there that people, you know, did campaigns for that didn't come to fruition, you know, and the creators didn't deliver. And I remember talking to a um, woman who had fun, who had, like, um, you know, backed a lot of independent decks. And, you know, she really gave me a lot of insight because I wanted to learn from a backer's experience since I personally mm-hmm. hadn't backed a deck before or any project through Kickstarter. I wanted to know from a backer's perspective what the process was like and the, you know, pitfalls and the challenges and everything from their end. So, you know, I could address those needs through my own campaign. And yeah. so after having those, that conversation with her that, made me even more i definitely took it even more serious but it gave me even more pressure like oh my gosh there are some people right now that are probably really jaded by the crowdfunding experience and so i don't want that to be the case for anyone so i remember um you know just learning about all of that i ended up pushing my my launch date back because like i use astrology for planning too so i'm just like okay i found a date that astrologically worked for me for launch and um, you know, went ahead and I just put it out there. I, before all of this, I was a, you know, graphic designer, so I was able to do my own branding. I did my own press releases and everything. Right at the time I was launching, I had just got a new job at this call center, so I was going through training. And I remember my coworkers were always like, girl, you always on the phone, because I was constantly, <laughs> like, through this campaign inter- interacting. I was sending out press, re- press releases, excuse me, to different blogs and, you know, outlets. And I was, you know, managing my social media. No one knew who I was as an artist or a tarot creator. So I'm like, you know, trying to ease my way into Like I was a part of some tarot communities just as a lurker mainly, but not anyone who knew me. So I'm like trying to, at this time, like make, create this presence about myself and through this campaign and, I think the biggest break for me was when the hood witch wrote about me because like mm-hmm. I was about, 30, I want to say about close to 40, maybe 40 to 50%. I was like about halfway through my campaign or a little over halfway. And I was getting some traction through the other interviews that people had did about me mm-hmm. and the work getting passed around. And then she wrote about me and like, that, this was like the last four days of the campaign. I wasn't sure if I was going to get funding, but like the, orders started coming through like crazy after she wrote the article and that pushed me through the end to my funding goal amazing so um yeah i'm always thankful for her sharing her platform and my work there you know because i really was like a you know big boost to help me get through that end point because um yeah like needed the money obviously so (laughs) once the funding was done Once the funding was done, like, in, like I have to say, too, when you, as much as you try to prepare through Kickstarter and crowdfunding, you are never 
to prepare. Like, there are so many variables that are a lot of times not even when you try to account for everything, you don't account for everything. Mm. And whatever you think you need, you're probably going to need twice as more. And it was a big step for me to even ask for 25 grand because I felt I was wondering if I was asking for too much. And I know there are some people that probably was like, does she really need that much? But I needed every single penny. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you. I'm I sure. A little more like that. <laughs> yeah. Like I had to bring some personal funds into it though, because like, just the amount of time for creation and everything. I ended up leaving my job in April because like, um, you know, I was supposed to have the deck done and sent down in May. And when I started the deck, I honestly was just going to make it some cards in the tuck box and maybe a little white book. I didn't have plans of having it look the way it, it looked. And so it was just as the project unfolded. I feel like, like, like I know my ancestors were like guiding me and just, putting little planting seeds and they were all like, yeah, we wanted to look like this and this and this. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's more stuff. <laughs> more stuff. Have mercy so on like, me. Uh, and I'm just expanding it and I'm just trying to let the public know like, hey, I know that I missed the deadlines and I'm setting new ones. And I just got to a point where I was just like, okay, I can't set any more deadlines and miss them. So y'all will get this back by the end of the year. And I know some people were not happy with that. But it was just, it wasn't because I, it wasn't because I wasn't working. Like I left my job to pretty much work on this full time. Mm. And, and, um, you know, and honestly the job was draining. I was working in a call center, even going to part-time. By the time I got home, I was so drained. I didn't have the energy and then the work literally takes so much out of you. Like when I was sitting at my canvas, there, there was like literally this pressure I would feel and I could only work for periods at a time and I had to switch my space around just to like make a special place in my apartment where I created because like I couldn't just casually sit in that area without feeling it. Yeah. You know, and so like <laughs> just to get to the work done, it just got to a point where I had to choose between my job or finishing this work. And I know people weren't going to wait two years for it to happen, No, you know, because I was having people asking for refunds just because I missed the May date, <laughs> you know. It's ridiculous. So I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, I, yeah, it, it was like a month later, and this person was really mad at me about it. And, you know, there are some people who didn't ask for a refund, but I got angry emails when I was sending out updates, like, well, this is unacceptable, but whatever. <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> you know, <they're, laughs> We're not necessarily nice about it. I mean, I even had someone drop out like two weeks before shipping. They were like, you know, I'm tired of waiting, even though it was two weeks before shipping. So it's just there's some people who felt their way about about the process and everything. And so sometimes that was a lot to deal with because it's hard not to take it personal because on my end, I'm like, y'all, I'm working as hard as I can. And I had and I would tell people like I would put it in my updates like. I'm really giving you way more. I, I wanted people, I used to joke with my friends, I was like, I want people to like, email me and be like, can I have more of your money because I did not pay enough for this. This is how much I want this deck to just wow you and yeah. just, you know, make every single moment of anxiety and anxiousness worth your wait. Like, I didn't want to have people waiting and then just deliver something that's cute. You know, I wanted to, I wanted it to really be just powerful and grand and like a, a gift it wasn't mm-hmm. even about me delivering something but based on the amount of money you gave me i didn't want to give you a deck that i thought was worth 45 dollars. i wanted to give you a deck that was worth 
all of your time and waiting in the investment, you know, and that was worth way more than you could ever imagine. That was my, you know, goal as I went through this work to over deliver. And so now to be at this place, um, I'm really proud to say that I've accomplished that goal and that, you know, there hasn't been the least in my, my, you know, experience. I haven't heard anyone say that it wasn't worth the wait. And so that, mm. at the very least, makes me feel like I did what I set out to do. I mean, I was going to say, like, mission accomplished. <laughs> because yeah. it's, like, exquisite. <laughs> so interesting how, yeah, just very interesting. Those things with people, it's very interesting. It's amazing to me. I think when you're, when you haven't created something like this yourself, it it's or even if you have created something similar to it on a lesser scale, because what's creating a deck is huge. I feel like you just don't have the compassion maybe that, and some people are just assholes, but you know, it's like, I can't believe that anyone would give you a hard time about that. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, But, you know, even if I tried to explain and, you know, just, you know, letting them understand, like, why it was taking long. I think, like, like I said, it's a sense of, it may be, like, an issue with empathy or sympathy or, in, you know, partly just entitlement because of capitalism and you're used yeah. to dealing with businesses where the customer is always right. You know, you're when when iPhone says they're on pre-order and they're going to be available and shit by a certain date, they got the billions of dollars to make that happen when they say they're going to have it. Honestly, it doesn't always happen even when multi-million dollar companies say it's going to happen. But even still, like, sometimes people will, tr- will transfer the expectation and experiences of working with larger companies into their experience with working with smaller businesses or working with people like me who are just, like, in production yeah. and, like, you know, not necessarily understanding, especially for a creative project, just how much of yourself goes into it. And, like, you know, to put things in perspective, like, it felt like a long time to people. But from, you know, I started this work at the end of July, early August, like the very last week of July of 2016, I started this work. Mm-hmm. And I ran the campaign and the artwork was finished within nine months. So that's 78 wow. paintings, hand painted in, in nine shit. months. The book was written in six months. Wow. And I still also did the packaging design and everything. Like, there was not one part of this. Pro- the only person that was hired in this process was my editor. I had to hire an editor because I've never written a book before, and I needed to make sure that my book was tight. But there wasn't, mm-hmm. there was not one person. There wasn't an assistant. There wasn't a social media manager, a business manager. There wasn't a product designer. There was not one person on this project with me except for my partner who would um, help me at events and, you know, help me set up stuff. But that was like the most help that I was getting. Unbelievable. <laughs> so, it's incredible. Like, like with, it was like a long time to wait, but it was a very short time in regards to the creation process and how quickly everything came out. And that was the thing too, like to produce that quickly and make sure that it had like the quality and caliber. Like I wanted to feel like a team created it and have it feel like something that took like a longer period of time, you know? So I didn't want people to feel the rush that, yeah. or, you know, the race that I was going through, but like, you know, I don't share it to make people feel bad, but like I said, to just give perspective because that create that creation process is unpredictable. And 
just because I got it out this quick now, it may change in a future project. Like, I've never mm-hmm. done this much work in this short period of time. Like, I'm just like a person that was in art school, like, doing little projects here and there. And before that, I didn't start doing art until 2013. So I wasn't, like, an experienced um, artist who had did, like, a lot of work over decades yeah. to this point. Like, I'm still pretty new i'm like a little baby toddler in art compared to the other people out there and people are <laughs> like hurry like up decades. people are like, hurry yeah. up run faster you're like bitch i'm still mm-hmm. learning how to like walk like this is a lot exactly and i'm like sometimes i just wanted to be like hey cool if you feel like the way you feel that's cool so I can't say it the way I want to when I'm nice in emails, but sometimes I just want to say, if you got a better way to do this, if you got a way to make this faster, if you have any suggestions on how I can make this happen, then you tell me. Yeah. Because I'm not going to, I'm not going to walk up in nobody else's business and tell them how to run their business and what they should do for me. You know? Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'd rather get, and I have done it. Like I'd rather just give you your money back. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Always. I, I had to learn to honor. I had to learn to honor my best. And mm-hmm. if my best isn't enough, I, it's the hardest thing is learning that when it isn't, that that isn't a reflection of you. That's just the reality that whatever you got that you're trying to provide may not be for that person. Yeah. And I'm learning. I'm still learning not to take it too personal. Mm. And to just keep it moving because even if a person's mad at you, if they want what you got, they still going to be there complaining and all, but they still going to make sure they get it. That's right. That's right. Mm. Such So are you, you know, you mentioned like where you are right now, which is in this kind of middle space between pride and joy and also like holy shit like there's no necessarily like there's no respite there's just more expansion and contraction and more climbing um but like wasn't it how did it feel to have your shit sell out so hugely that you were like I have to like cut this off holy shit like was it just an amazing feeling kind of obvious question but (laughs) yeah it was like it was like I said it was so affirming in a way but it's still in my mind I'm like you know it was like a thousand copies so in my mind I was like man maybe I should have made more or could I sell more like even now when I'm doing the second edition like I'm not like 100% confident I still have the same fears like damn am I gonna get enough orders is this campaign am I gonna make it through the second campaign what if only 2,000 people in the world really care for Dust Onyx what if my price point is too high. What if this and that? Like, what if all of these things, you know, it's just, yeah. um, I call it the doctor what, wise and how is in my head just with all the questions that, you know, um, about my fears and things. So, like, none of that really ever stops, you know. And so when I sold out, like, like I said, it was really affirming and incredible. And honestly, at the time, I was so in the, I was so heavy in shipping. And, like, we, we shipped, like, um, over 950 decks, mind you. Oh, so my God. Just, and we did this during the Christmas holiday. So, like, wow. my friend allowed me to stay at her house. We took a break, like a two-day break. So I would say a total of five days of sh- actual shipping work, 
you know, we got oh, all God. of the decks out. And it was mainly my partner and I'm a friend of mine bought her family a couple of days. So there were people who were in and out volunteering. But yeah, it wasn't like, you know, this super smooth process and mistakes happened and lessons mm-hmm. were learned. And yeah, I was still in the midst of just like the relief of just like getting getting through it. So when it sold out, I was just freaking out. Mm-hmm. I was like, shit, now I got to, like, email people and, like, <laughs> tell them, you know, that they I, I don't have a deck to send them. And then I had some decks that were defective. I had a box of decks go mixing, missing during my freight shipment. So I honestly was still in freak-out mode at that time and just, like, tired. And yeah. it, it still didn't feel like the work was over. Even two weeks after shipping, I was dealing with packages that didn't reach their customers. I was still dealing with you know, other things that I had forgot to do or just, like, you know, things that fell to the wayside because, like, you know, um, my own mistakes in planning and organizing that, like, I'm still learning along the way and everything. Mm-hmm. I, every time I think I got something figured out, you know, I find out that I have nothing figured out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, so beautiful. And then... I think my, well, I'm going to ask you in a moment about your second edition and how people can order this deck, but I, I would love to hear in your own words where the name Dust to Onyx came from, because it is so powerful. It makes me, it, it is the perfect name for what your deck is, but I would just love to know how you birthed that name. That name came, like, I don't even really remember heavily, like, the moment. I just remember being in my car and thinking about it. I know that I kind of came up with it while I was in my car. Mm. And just just like, oh, I'm going to name this, that blah, blah, blah. I'm just going rolling through the ideas in my head. And, like, I don't know why I heard from Dust Till Dawn in my head. Yeah. But, like, I was like, okay, Dust Till Dawn. Don and I was just thinking like I don't know it's so organic how it literally came together it wasn't like I like sat down and wrote a list of names and one plus one equals two type of thing it was literally just brainstorming ideas just rolling through my mind and when I would say okay dust so down okay dust dust I like dust and I was like okay now why am I okay I'm thinking about crystals and stuff because I like collect a lot of stones so I was like onyx is cool like you know I have just learned you know, a lot about what Onyx is and like, you know, it just literally forms just as quickly as those thoughts could like come together. Like you see that little meme where the person is like computing because they're confused. (laughs) It was like the moment that that meme doesn't show where everything came together and it makes sense. (laughs) That's what the creation of of this name was like. So like, by the time I pulled up in my apartment, I was like, that's the Onyx, huh? That sounds good. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it. And I was like, maybe I should write some other things down. But it's almost like, no, that's it. And I know that that was just my, like my, my guys and ancestors. Like, girl, here, here it goes. They're working through all of the clutter of my little verbal brain, <laughs> like, and giving it to me. Uh. <laughs> and so when I went to research Onyx, it was even more befitting because Onyx, of course, especially black audience, of course, you know, referencing black culture and, you know, black news, like, of course, the perfect representation. And because it was a stone that was used in so many different, um, you know, cultures and African culture and I know in Egypt and everything, like they made tools from it and, Mm -hmm. you know, it had a lot of heavy spiritual use. Like it was just as complex 
of a stone in regards to its history and uses as black culture has been in regards to its contribution to the world. Mm -hmm. And then on the spiritual level, that, that movement from dust to onyx. So like when I created the artwork, you know, um, and started thinking about what I wanted the majors and minors to look like, like that's why they look like stardust because Mm -hmm. it's the period before we reach these, these archetypal, um, I can never say it the archetypes of the um of the majors mm. you know so the majors are are the most fleshed out and the most clear mm-hmm. because those are like the higher principles and the the lessons that we learn though those are the places that we get to <laughs> through our experience totally. as the dust you know just forming and so, you know, the um, court cards are kind of like the in-between in that phase. And they are kind of a personification of those lessons. Oh, I love it. It's so brilliant. And I love hearing your story of how kind of just it slid in and you were like, yeah, I love that. It's so beautiful. And, of course, what you're saying about the court cards is also so powerful. And I think such a like added thing to anyone who uses your deck to visualize that arc. It's really beautiful. Um, so tell us you're doing a second edition, second edition. Um, is this one different than your first or is it like just a new printing? Um, I, I do want to make some improvements on it. Of course, like, I'm, you know, editing the guidebook. There are little mistakes, you know, like little grammar things that I want to correct. And um, I do plan to add a additional card um, because the first deck had the um, little double-sided back card. And so this time that card will actually be, there will be some artwork. So there'll be a total of 79 cards. And Ooh. so the book will have that added interpretation. Um, the packaging design will be um, different. Like it'll still be like a hinged box, so like a keepsake box. But um, like the design will be different. Um, it'll still have holographic foil, but it'll be like like a different color and everything because I did want to differentiate those two editions visually. And um, that's all I'm gonna say for now because, like I said, those are things that I'm still fleshing out. But I'm definitely sure about having the additional card because I want to, I don't want people to feel like the second edition is just either the same thing or just a cosmetic change, mm-hmm. like or to feel like I don't consider the second edition just as special as the first. Mm. So yes, I will be putting in additional work <laughs> to so make cool. the second edition. That's a well. that's a secret, right? About your seventy ninth card. What? Yeah. yeah, you just gonna have to see what it is. I'll, I'll tell you. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you personally. You get the exclusive. Oh my god! Amazing! <laughs> I can't wait to know that. Um, and then how can people get them? Um, right now, I'm in the process of pre-orders on my website www.dust. Two onyx.com two is the actual number two mm. and so um i just wanted to you know it, it is available but i also want to just add that it is a pre-order period so right now i have my campaign set to end on march 23rd my goal is double from what it was last time it is fifty thousand, and so um i'm asking for that much not because i want to have more decks printed than the first time because we don't want to run out 
And so I'm really, you know, creating a way to continue to expand Dust to Onyx yes. and at some point not have to depend on pre-orders because I will have the resources to constantly keep Dust to Onyx in print. So if I lay out on the website all of my goals, I even lay out what happens depending on what we end with. So every, I'm very transparent about what this next print run is going to take. So please, if you know, go to the website and pre-order and tell your friends, tell your family, because it takes all of us to pretty much re reach this goal. I can't do it by myself. And for those of you who may um, know um, queer people of color in your life, where they don't have to be um, identifying as queer, but especially women of color, um, I have a deck sponsorship program that I'm running on the website. So if you don't buy a deck, you can um, help sponsor a deck with a $5 donation in $5 increments, um, $5 or more. And you can also nominate someone to receive a deck. And I'm doing this because I realize, like, you know, a deck that $70 isn't necessarily a cheap deck. And, mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to find a price that was accessible but also fair to me as an artist. But I also want to continue to make Dust to Onyx is available to people as possible. So this is just a way for people to pay it for. And like, if you don't, you know, you don't have to give me more money for the deck. Give some, you know, pay it for it by helping someone else so get, beautiful. you know, the deck. So um, feel free to nominate someone that you feel would be able to benefit from this work personally, as well as helping their community. Beautiful. And I hope everybody listening does that sponsors a deck it's amazing like so beautiful oh man courtney thank you so much for being here today this was it was a dream to have you truly thank you thank you i'm for just sharing your platform and allowing me to like share my story it's always fun to be able to you know communicate and reach out to people in this way so yeah, yeah. it was Good. Yeah, me too. It was such a deep medicine to hear you and to everyone listening to this, everything um, that Courtney mentioned, her website links to just even individual links to guide you to those spaces of deck sponsorship will all be on the liner notes of this episode. And um, yeah, thank you so much for being here. Thank you everyone for listening and have a beautiful day.